and I just think that the only thing that made anybody's life easy was a dishwasher and a washing machine and, that's it, really. <laughs> <laughs> and a microwave. That's it. Power to live more with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy, and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Angela Durant, a singing and voice coach. Joe's introduced to Angela by the ever-helpful Paula Gardner. Joe says she had lunch with Paula this week and she says she has more guests lined up for us. It then transpired that they have a mutual connection via a guest from the Engage for Success podcast that Joe also hosts and through Nicola Canecross from Show 11, A Small World as they say. Angela is a high-performance coach and mentor for singers and speakers, seeking to expand to their full potential and expression. She has worked with hundreds of singers and speakers, managers, senior civil servants and solopreneurs to find their voice, master their message and be inspiring on whatever stage they find themselves on. Angela trained as a sound engineer and followed that by studying at the Welsh College of Music in order to embark on a professional music career. After suffering a near-fatal car crash nine years ago, Angela stepped back from vocal and personal burnout and began to study voice science and teaching. She has run a private practice for over eight years and now helps others tap into their artist within, press their find me button and release their creativity through their music, public speaking and magnetic audience engagement. Angela has recently created the Online Singing Academy and the free Facebook group, the Online Singing School, and plans are afoot for the A-Star Speaking Academy. Connect with her on Facebook to find out more. Back to the studio. Today, I'm interviewing Angela Durant of Making Singing Easy. Thanks for joining me, Angela. This is our second attempt at recording it, and I don't know how long it took us to actually get the the, uh, appointment in the diary, so I'm really pleased you're here. <laughs> yes, it has been fun. <laughs> and we connected so well as well that we just keep chatting away and keep thinking, oh, we better get on and record this. So uh, it's really okay. good to, to be uh, talking to you again and have caught up. Um, so tell us a bit about who you are and what you do and where you do it. Okay, well, my name is Angela Durant and I'm a vocal and performance coach. So uh, because my company is called Making Singing Easy, don't let that fool you that it's all just about singing and you can turn off now. Um, I I work with speakers, singers, um, I'm a teacher and uh, writing and I'm a bit of a general all-round voice geek, really. So um, I also have particular interest in the, the psychology of our thinking around voice and and how we show up with that and, and what we do. So um, I do it in Cardiff and around. I do a lot of internet, a um, lot of internet teaching. Um, and I'm just about to put some singing retreats and speaking retreats on as well. So um, lots of exciting stuff coming up. Lovely. So as a fellow speaker, always good to hear about, uh, not speaking, fellow speaker as well, fellow singer, <laughs> always good to hear about uh, singing going on all around. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> So tell us why you do what you do. So you, I know you've got a, a bit of a, a story about why you're particularly doing this now. So it'd be really good to share that with uh, with our audience. Cool. Um, well, I have a family background in music, so that's probably a pretty, uh, pretty much a no brainer uh, as a sort of starting point. My uncle was um, famous ukulele player George Formby, and uh, I grew up in the shadow of all of that sort of music hall fame etc um and had a very love-hate relationship with music although I had an innate sense of that that it was something I wanted to do and be on the stage like my dad um I followed a a a sort of you know a general school background and ended up um sort of turning away from classical music uh because that's what I'd been taught and and sort of ended up in a recording studio in Cardiff at the age of 20 um because I'd fallen in love with Bon Jovi um <laughs> like you and do. so <laughs> no, I don't blame you do 
<laughs> this is, you know, the kind of love as you, you're almost like sometimes, isn't it? The thing that you love, you're almost, you want it and you're fighting against it all at the same time. Mm. Um, so I spent four years in a recording studio working with people like Catatonia and sort of rock oh, wow. musicians. We didn't uh, discuss that last time. I love Catatonia. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before they were famous, actually. Um, so I have some stories in there, but um, uh, that will be for another time. Um, and I just knew that, that there was that love of being on the stage and I really wanted to find out more about my own voice. And so I ended up auditioning and going into the Welsh Music, uh, the Welsh College of Music and Drama. And uh, I did four years there and and sort of tried to you know, push forward to have this career. And when I think back to it, I just wanted to know about my voice and about singing. And I had a, a sort of love of performing. But it's so easy how everybody else's opinion can kind of get involved in in that initial love of what you do and and you start to think well I need to go this direction or I need to go that direction and and I pursued a sort of operatic classical career for a while and what really sort of prompted me to come out of it was innate frustration with um things that I that worked and didn't work and when you did get auditions and didn't get auditions and um I just didn't want to be in my 50s hankering after a career that either would or wouldn't happen. So I, I sort of, um, I, you know, I, I, I met my husband and I knew I wanted a family. And I kind of had that moment of decision went, well, I'm going to go for a family. And if I end up singing again, you know, I'm going to do it. So it was kind of I kind of came out through frustration more than more than anything. But when you've got a desire and a love for something, it doesn't really die down. So um, I started to sing again. And and I knew um, after having a car crash uh, nine years ago when I nearly lost my life in the car crash, it was one of those life-defining moments. And I just, I just knew that I had to resign from everything that I was doing that I didn't want to do. I was selling houses. I was teaching part-time. I was doing a lot of things. And I, I was a bit lost, really, in terms of, of, of where to go because I wasn't sort of aiming for a performing career anymore. So I opened a, vo a voice coaching studio and my gosh, that has been the biggest learning journey of all because <laughs> the people that were coming to me weren't of the discipline that I'd had. They were different people. And I must have had more of an innate sense of marketing because I just thought, well, I can't just try and make them into bits of me that don't work. Let's go find out what actually does work for these people. Mm -hmm. So it set me on the path that where I am now, which is voice research, um, anatomy, physiology, the psychology of how we use our voices. And I've, I've just had a privilege over the last sort of 10 years of working with, with hundreds of people, probably seven or 800 people including now speakers and um and even into some corporates um and just looking at how we show up how our voice represents who we are and and, and all of the joys and the pains that go along with that and it's just become almost my my life's fascination it's amazing and lovely to to hear that isn't it when you when you when you hear of people who have been through a journey and really feel like they've come out the other side with that connection mm -hmm. to something that is just such a passion for them. So mm -hmm. it's great to hear you, you know, describing that and, um, and, 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 you know, quite dramatic to hear about it, you know, following the, 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 the car accident. So having chosen to do all of that um, and, and to be doing something different sort of as a, as a result of that and having a family and so on, how do you prioritize what, what you do now? Cause it sounds like you could go off in so many different directions and be all consumed by what you do. How do you work out what you will do and what you won't do and how it all fits together? Cool. Great question. Um, and that's exactly what did happen. Literally going off in every direction. And when you're starting off, you kind of think it's all about the money. So you go after the money and then you kind of then you realize you're trying to go after achievement and that doesn't work either. And it's taken almost 10 years to work out that kind of less is more here. Um, <laughs> that you know the big doors tend to turn on little hinges so for me it's almost looking at um looking at what's really working sometimes it, you know i think it's good sometimes to almost put the feelers out and and do a bunch of stuff and then let the stuff fall away that doesn't work when i first started teaching it, it had i not just taught anything that virtually could had a had a living and breathing sense to it if it had a tail i'd have probably taught it to sing back in those days but, <laughs> but it's, it's the fact that because i just did so much teaching you know um 
it, it showed me who to work with and it showed me what was going on with people. And that was it's part of learning your craft. Sometimes you do have to kiss a few frogs to find the prince, I think. Um, but as you start to sort of stay in the game longer, for me, it, it became about looking at the little changes that make the biggest difference. Mm. It's certainly that's true in singing. Um, you know, the more I started to understand how the voice worked, how I worked the voice, it kind of had a parallel to life and the more I was trying to turn the big stuff the less effective it was so um it was it was about sort of for me now it's it's about putting the family first um we had a bit of a torrid journey in the last five years my husband had three bouts of kidney cancer and my mom was seriously ill at the same time and I kind of went into that bunny mode of of just not taking care of yourself and working really hard and supporting everybody, which I think is a real woman thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that, um, you know, ignoring myself just to keep our head above water, it, it really wasn't, um, it wasn't the kind of, you know, lifestyle that any of us wanted long term. And sometimes there are needs must, you know, in that. But I started to look at what were the, instead of just trying to escape the situations that I didn't want to be in, it was more a case of, you know, this is where we find ourselves. We're dealing with all of this stuff at the same time. And what can we do, you know, to have a better quality of life in the middle of it? And it was about less, you know, when you're growing your business or you're doing these things, you, you always feel like you're in future thinking mode. You know, I'm going to be doing this and I'm going to be doing that. Um, and it just became about, not about that and and you know is there a small thing is there a small thing that's going to make our quality of life or even the relationships that I have with my clients or myself or my business is that going to be better so it feels like I'm reaching out less in order to actually gain more which feels like a very odd you know an odd way of putting it but it's probably due to the journey that we've been on as a family in the last five years that has that has shown me that really that that you know all of that busyness and trying to think that you're achieving so much it's a little bit of an illusion because it's not really going on when when it all falls away what's really true is actually there and what isn't isn't mm. you are the queen of the sand bites i'm loving the big big little hinges i've written that down um and the reaching out less to enable you to gain more i think and and do you know i was thinking listening to you talking about all of that about you know being being ladies of a certain age i suspect with the catatonia references earlier um (laughs) you know you i remember my dad used to quote the mark twain thing about his son thought he was a fool when he was 18 and by the time he was 20 he thought his father had learned a lot in two years um and, and you sort of think you know the sort of um, naivety of youth believing that you know everything and and uh or certainly you know you know you know a lot more than probably in the end um you you do and and actually you get to sort of um you know I don't know if, if it's called middle age nowadays, but you know the a, a sort of, you know thirty years time type age, and you you sort of have worked out through trials and tribulations exactly what you've said, which is that bit about it's it's about the journey, it's about being in the moment during that journey, regardless of everything else that's going around. Because as you said, and I love the bit you said about in business, you tend to think in future mode. That that you know that was one of the pivotal things for me, and again, mine was caused through you know death and an illness in the family that, that I actually stopped mm. to, to think about it and and the, the the one thing that I do that I didn't do is exactly that about being in the moment thinking about you know if stuff's happening experiencing it and enjoying it because it's happening now rather than constantly worrying about what's coming tomorrow or what I did yesterday or whatever and if only we could teach our children and our young people that point that we only learn after 30 years of rubbish <laughs> happening to us it would be, it would make such a difference wouldn't it oh I think they do I think that it's just that we always were we just get caught up in thinking that that's not the case I mean my daughter's a ballroom dancer and we're about to to go off to Blackpool and I'm about to probably book myself into the chiropractor on the way back from the B&Bs but when she's dancing internationally uh, you know against them and she's only under 12s and she's dancing for Wales which sounds like a big deal but when you realize the Russians are so much better (laughs) it's not but it's it's great you know um 
but she learns that in everything she does it's just that you know what when i with my own mother we never had i never had the relationship with my own mother that i have with my daughter um and we did enough in her final sort of months of her life um but there's often a sense of parents that we're trying to sort of future-proof our children's lives so that they don't have to experience any of the heartache that we've experienced mm -hmm. and whilst there's a you know whilst we don't want any harm to come to our children um there are things that that life needs to teach them and it, it never it's always different from what we've experienced they're always building on what they see from us we yeah. i think the other thing that we can do is if we can stand by them when we enter into their world they have such a more innate ability to stick with their presence they just haven't forgotten it as much as we have yeah, yeah i think that's true it's, it's funny actually we used to take little dodzy as she used to be called i, I think um, i don't think i can call her that she's 11 and and almost as tall as me um we used to take her best friend on holiday with us when they were like three and four and we'd be away for a good couple of weeks and her parents used to be like you know avidly contacting us to to speak to 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 harry and um harry was really not that bothered about talking to them and it wasn't <laughs> because she um you know doesn't love them you know and will you know that they you know didn't have a great relationship or anything else it was just i could see she was in the moment and in the moment mummy and daddy weren't supposed to be here because they didn't go camping therefore she didn't miss them because she that it wasn't their thing and it did show me exactly what you've said that our children are really good about being in the moment it's as you get older that you start to lose that that ability because oh, I guess you know the world happens and and it, it comes back in the end I think which is what we're saying isn't it <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so we've got all a bit uh woo woo and whatever I don't know uh, there so let's go let's go pragmatic go now that. shall we <laughs> <Very pragmatic. laughs> so let's go pragmatic how do you actually get this stuff done because apart from the fact that it sounded like you had a hectic life already you've just thrown the ballroom dancing trekking around the country thing in so how oh, do you get everything oh, yeah. done <laughs> Well, I mean, we have three hours of dancing a week on a Saturday. I've had to work my work around my life as, as much as anything. And when I look at my business, when I think about it practically, I used to get so caught up that I wasn't doing enough. But when I see how it grew quite organically around, you know, Ella at nursery school and then Ella changing, and, and I'm able to change it again now a little bit because, you know, as she goes to senior school, but I used to have master lists, right? Because I was like everybody else. I would watch all the productivity things and I had this master list. Well, the master list was so overwhelming because I like, I'm a little bit of a, I like to tick my lists off, you know, I'm, I'm one of those. <laughs> I really like to feel a sense of accomplishment that I have ticked this list off. Um, but the, pro the problem with a master list is that I can never tick the list off. So, and, and, you know, there was a major amount of frustration with that. Um, I, then I went down to to-do lists, right? And to-do lists had this. And I know there's a, there's a kind of, you know, people put to da lists instead of to-do lists. Well, I even struggled with the to-do list because I'd put too much on that as well because that was all future stuff for me. You know, yeah. I, I've got to, to do this. I've started to keep a today list. And that's about it, really. I've kind of got a, a, a list on my um, notes on my iPhone with things that you know need to come in, like do remember the tickets to Blackpool, do send off that contract to your client kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I keep the today list because I, I've worked out now that I really do like a sense of accomplishment of ticking off the list. But if I add too much into it, I'm going to just overwhelm myself and hit brick walls. And there was a brilliant book. I, I don't know what the name of the guy is, but it was called Get It Done. Robert Allen or somebody like that. But it's called yeah. Get It Done. David Allen. And it really, yeah. yeah, it totally helped me because I had a big insight when he said, you know, um, a task is anything that you can do under two minutes. Mm. Anything over that is a project. And I'm like, oh, no wonder I'm frustrated. I am trying to achieve projects in two minutes. And, and so I needed to chunk it down and break it down. So yeah. that's made a big difference to me is keeping a today list and making it so small that like, it makes breathing look easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is that thing, isn't it, about... Um, we put these massive things on our to-do list and then wonder why we procrastinate on them because what we've really put on there is a project, not an actual yeah. task. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the project could, you know, if you look at it, a project could actually take you six months or, yeah. two, or two weeks or something. And that's not going to happen in a day, is it? <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. So uh, good. So you're a, you're a list person like me. Is it a paper list or a or a um, online list? Or did you tell it's me and both. I haven't remembered? <laughs> no, no, no. It's both. It is, isn't it? It's, it's both. My, uh, and I am trying to rid myself a little bit of paper because my mum, you know, as you pull pull things up, my mum used to write everything on scraps of paper. And so I started to just see how I had become my mother at some point. Um, so it's all off doing things, isn't it? Oh God, yeah, scraps of paper everywhere, you know, with writing that you couldn't read in about five minutes, you know. Um, so I tend to use. I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a simple girl at heart here. I've tried, I've tried the asanas, I've tried the stuff, and I'm not really, I'm not really. I tend to have a piece of paper, but I love my iPhone. Um, and I love the notes section on my iPhone because I know that I can forward it to my email. And if there's something particularly important and I know that I've got to go clear it, I can just email myself because I need to keep it front of mind. But if I just have it in one or two places, um, you know, like I haven't got my pad and paper next to my bed, so I might just jot it down in my phone and then just email it to myself. But it's um, it's that it's like just one or two places where I go to now because I tried all of the productivity tools and I just didn't use them. No, it makes a difference. Doesn't it? I, I use Todoist for my um, main to do list, but I have product based stuff on Asana. And it's funny that it's not 100 percent for me. And I, I trawled around a few other tools a couple of weeks ago thinking it's not working you know great I need something else and I haven't found anything better so I've gone back to it but um yeah. it's uh yeah maybe I need to invent one <laughs> yeah, maybe a software inventor but there's just so much isn't it and there's this idea it's like if you have another bit of software it's going to make your life easier yeah um and I just think that the only thing that made anybody's life easy was a dishwasher and a washing machine and that's <laughs> it, <really. laughs> the microwave that's it see another sound bite there for us <laughs> that's my take on it <laughs> so so shall I ask you if if there are any tools and apps you use or are you telling me it's just your phone and that's it <laughs> I am literally I use Asana I use Asana I use I love my I love my Gmail I love Google Drive yeah. I use Dropbox um the things that I can share with people yeah um um, and, and I'll tell you what I do love, actually, uh, in terms of software, because uh, I'm on a sort of beta test for my um, singing academy, is Teachable. Oh, um, I, I just I love Teachable. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I love Teachable. I've got a VA that I use to um, to upload everything. Yeah. Uh, but, but just to kind of help keep that easier. But it's just, it's kind of just picking. I went through this horrible phase where I didn't know what software to pick. So it was almost like I'd either go and sign up for it soon and end up wasting the money and didn't use it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really common. Um, or I would just get myself into just almost like too many sweeties on the smorgasbord and then you just didn't know. You're trying to always find the right one or the best one. Um, and I just thought, oh, you know, out, out of the window with all of that. What do we actually, you know, I think Nicola, Nicola Carecross, our mutual friend, had said yeah. this to me. She said, Angela, you simply need just in time, not just in case. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I just thought, oh, that's it. And it just, it took that overwhelm of trying to choose the right thing all the time. It yeah. was like, well, what works right now? What's, what's, what's needed right now? And if you need something new, then, you know, you, it'll be there. You can find it. Exactly. Well, it's interesting as well. I, um, one of my podcast guests right from the beginning, so a couple of years ago, was um, Roy Carter over in Australia, and he recommended Value Add-on as a membership site software. And um, I started using it, and I really liked it, and it was quite simple. And then um, I was getting a bit frustrated with it because it, it was feeling a bit old-fashioned to me. And then Teachable appeared, um, and I really liked the interface. I just thought it looked really nice and modern. And I actually swapped over to it, and it really didn't take me very long. I didn't have loads of stuff on it, uh, on uh, yeah. Value Add-on, but just the fact that it was already formatted into a course meant that actually copying and pasting from one to the other with two screens actually wasn't a big big deal. So, you know, as Nicola says, definitely just in time, but also just that thing about you can always change stuff. You know, you don't have to be wedded to something for the rest of your life sort of thing, um, apart from maybe your husband. Yeah. <laughs> or your wife or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah, where that's that's okay. came from. <laughs> but, that's um, your sound, <laughs> But... Uh, <laughs> you know exactly you know you just as it's sort of just in time it's also you know it'll do for now and then you know develop as you go along is is uh you know a good way of looking at it as well otherwise you yeah. get to you procrastinate over not being able to decide because you think it's such an important decision don't you 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just and it's funny, like we're talking about the, the soundbite thing. But when I think back to the soundbites that are actually true that people have, you know, used like, you know, just in time instead of just in case and, mm. and, and version one is better than version none. I sometimes have to remind myself that that is is true um, just to kick myself, you know, the homeless guy, Bob, who lives in my head telling me that I need to organize all of this before I, I, I step out. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Homeless guy bobbing your head. I like that. You need to find him a home somewhere else, obviously. Honestly, I have to give him one of those, like, my daughter and I are reading at the moment, Amy Blyton, The Faraway Tree, and they have this ginormous, they have have this... this ever-expanding toffee and you put it in yeah. your mouth and it expands and so occasionally in order to shut Bob up I have to imagine I'm giving him an ever-expanding toffee and then he just quietens down for a while in my head and then get on with it. Oh that's brilliant I love it. So um, what about helping you to get stuff done you've already talked about having an assistant um, so yeah. that's happening um, generally life and work how, how do you get stuff done with the aid of other people? I got kind of three I wrote down three things um as to what it is first of all I just to say is I used to abdicate these things out of my business and what I mean is I used to do I used to I started off with a VA many many years ago before I really needed one and, and people might think that's a good thing but it actually wasn't because I didn't have an overview or an understanding of what I really needed in that time in my business mm. so it was a case of abdicating and handing it over to somebody because I either didn't want to face it didn't know what to do with it or thought that I was showing up as a big business person if I had a VA yeah. um, and, and it became a complete nightmare because you're paying out a lot of money so, you know and and you either got lack of communication going on or they're not able to do what you want them to do because they either don't have the skills or it's or that you didn't know to ask them so it became important second time round when I had a VA to decide exactly what I was delegating out. And for me, I, de- I delegated everything to do with the new beta testing for the singing academy mm-hmm. because long term I wanted the people in there to be able to go to her for tech issues and not email me or message me. So, um, you know, but it, other things, you know, emailing or my, I do all my own social media um, because I feel as if I can respond better to that. Uh, so it's been, it's a learning curve for me in terms of learning what to delegate out um, and, and to have an overview and an understanding, first of all, of, of what the thing is so I can measure the results of whether they're actually working or not. Because at the start of it, I had no clue about that. And I just kind of, you know, wasted money or wasted time or frustrated myself and the other person in, in the doing. So mm-hmm. certainly it's, it's, Having a VA is important, but not always at, at right at the start of things. No. Um, uh, my husband, he is definitely has been brilliant because um, seeing as when he was recuperating, etc., and and um, and now he does he's taken over some of the house stuff, but it's become almost quite fun. Um, and I actually had to let him do stuff uh, without criticizing how it was being done. <laughs> Um, and that was a big one, you know, just like they miss things, love them. They do, you know, they just, but he's, he's, he would put, you know, all of my bras turned gray, all of my pants turned gray. You know, this is, this is the reality of having help. Right? And, you know, but now, you know, we're, we're, we're learning. It's, it's going fine. I can go out and buy some new. It's new. the frozen version um, of being married, isn't it? The let it go. <laughs> let it go yeah absolutely <laughs> but it was it's just like and even my daughter was like going like I had these lovely yellow pants and they've all turned gray I'm like going well yeah right <laughs> well, so um <laughs> welcome to real life so yeah don't don't come to our laundry drawer <laughs> it's really bad news um but my third one was green what I call green buddies and my green buddies can be anything from a, uh, some Facebook groups that where well, there's a couple of people or a couple of places that I go that I can get a good vibe back from or some accountability. I've always invested really heavily in my own um, learning and training and development right from the start because as a musician, as a singer, you you can't teach yourself. So yeah. um, I still have a, a vocal mentor at the age of 48, um, but they are they have moved from when they were when I was 18. They are, you know, advanced researchers in science and voice and 
but I always have another pair of ears and I've always um, I've always had business mentors some have been the right ones at the right time and others have not been the right ones at the right time mm. some of those mentors have been in groups with people and some of it has been you know a course even um, and, and again you 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 make your mistakes as you go along and because you don't always know what you need at the right time but sometimes even that shows you what you need um, it's just that I just decided that whether I'd pick the right thing or the wrong thing I would never see it as a waste of time money or effort mm. because it was always showing me something that I couldn't you know couldn't see in the moment so um, yeah but yeah you know, I, I just think that you have to surround yourself with um, you have to surround yourself with people that can challenge you and support you at the same time and that's what helps me um, you know to, to keep my foot in the door and keep mm. it going on. Mm. It's an interesting point you made at the beginning about um, investing in, in people and, and not using them properly and sort of wasting money. I was talking mm. to somebody the other day about how um, in fact I was running a, a workshop for some business leaders around empowerment and I was saying about how quite often we don't empower people because we haven't got to the stage ourselves where we've systemized enough that we can actually mm. delegate effectively which means that it's all well and good giving people responsibility but if we don't actually show them or explain and enable them to do whatever it is we need them to do in the right way then they, they can't do that and, and that's what gets in the way so I was saying you know I have a, a VA and she does a certain amount of jobs for me you know religiously every week perfectly um but there are other things I could give her and I just haven't yet because it, in, it involves me having to you know up my game to get that in a situation where I can hand it over and I haven't had chance to do that myself so it th there's a process to it isn't there it's not just get somebody and off yeah. to go no, it's true. And I think you'd said about upping your game. And sometimes, again, for me, it was those two areas, particularly for tech for me, I was just, I just did not consider myself as a technical person. Um, and, and the problem with that is that when you're then wanting to use tech or you need to use tech or that's, you know, computers are part of our lives, etc. Um, it, it, I wanted to just abdicate it because I didn't want to have to face it. it and I had a belief about myself that, that I couldn't do tech. It wasn't my skill set. And, and actually, that's been, it's been proved untrue all the time. It, it, what proved true to me was I actually hired somebody at a, at a lower cost, actually, to walk me through how to decommission my current website, as it were, so that I can... Um, see what the process of actually putting one together is and when I do delegate that I know exactly what I need to be asking for whereas if I'd have just tried to sort of outsource that straight away which I would have done in the past um, we could be weeks going around in circles trying to get the right result for it mm. um, so for me it's about sort of looking square in the face of the things that I think I need to delegate but um, you know or don't want to do because this idea that you know delegate everything you don't want to do well that's fine actually yes I've, I've, I've hired a cleaner you know I can clean the toilet she cleans the toilet mm -hmm. but at the same time if I if I delegate everything I don't want to do I'm there's something I'm missing and it will come and trip me up at the next level because if I really don't understand finances or you know the, the basis behind the the strategy what I'm using for social media or whatever it's going to trip me up somewhere the results are going to come out you know the apple does not fall far from the tree does it <laughs> I think that's a really um good explanation of that whole um glib phrase that uh, managers use about I wouldn't ask anyone to do something I couldn't do myself and it's easy to say that but actually I think you've just defined why you need that ability even if you aren't going to be doing it ever <laughs> at least you at least you need the knowledge even if you can't do it if you see what I mean it's um yeah totally interesting lovely so thinking about um yourself then and and how you keep yourself uh, well and and with the energy to deal with all this stuff I'm still reeling about <laughs> All the things you do, plus the travelling around the country, plus uh, all the uh, the child support stuff around the dance. Uh, it is, it is mental. Um, and and the truth of the matter is, is I was absolutely terrible. Um, and not only was I terrible at it, I actually used busyness as um, a badge of honour for like this martyrdom, this female martyrdom. Um, 
because there was an element of the kind of maybe the female movement that I hadn't identified with at all, which was because you're worth it and the, the L'Oreal and the pampering. And I had to laugh because um, I went to a, 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 a sort of three day business retreat once and it was held at Chamonix. And um, I went in there thinking, oh, great. And when I saw everybody just walking around in bathrobes, I had such a disassociation <laughs> to the whole thing. I just was nearly walked out the door. I couldn't cope with everybody just having lunch in a bathrobe. It's it what just it's worse when you go in one of those hotels where they have a spa and it's a business hotel as well. I was in one yesterday and people kept walking by in dressing gowns and I can't be doing with that either. Well, that was it. I was just like, I was like, what is this about? Um, because to me, and, and again, I mean, I was laughing about it, but there was a truth to it. To me, self-care felt indulgent and, yeah. and that wasn't a good thing. I wasn't seeing it correctly um, because I was you know, uh, because our family was faced with my husband having cancer. I had a five-year-old at the time. I had a stepson who was 18 at the time that we were going through it. And I also had a, a, an elderly mother 140 miles away who was also having hospital admissions at the same time. It felt so chaotic. It was, it was, it was a game like this sort of delegating and abdicating thing because I didn't understand what that self-care really needed to look like for me or I wasn't honoring and valuable I wasn't honoring and valuing the energy that I needed to do it mm. um I had gone into this sort of um I have no needs mode I'm just there I'll take it and it was there was a kind of sense of martyrdom about it you know here I was muscling through yeah. um and doing all this stuff um and what really hit me was when I when my mum passed away last March. Um, it, literally, my body just virtually collapsed on me mm. because emotionally, I, I it was almost the end of such a long journey. And I kind of just realised that again, like this up leveling, there was things that I felt I I still had and wanted to do in my life. There was a daughter that was growing up. There was things to do, and things that I wanted to do. And I just realised that if I didn't turn my attention to this and, and, and find the right pathway for me as to self-care, nothing was actually going to be, even if I had it all, even if I'd achieved everything that I thought I wanted to, if I felt ill or tired or stressed, um, it wasn't going to be a value, you know, there was no value in it. There was no value in it. It's no going on holiday and then you get there and you're so exhausted you can't enjoy the scenery. Mm. So um, for me now, um, it was about looking at, again, looking at these little things, what was going to start to make the difference. And I kind of had to get a little bit quiet because there's so much out there. You could kind of go crazy, couldn't you? There's so much out there sort of almost like a brass band of noise of things that you can do towards self-care yeah everything from retreats to diets to to goodness knows whatever else and um for me I think energy is the big one because when I was first teaching uh, as I said it was like you think you have to fix everything um you know and there was a level of boundaries about what you're responsible for and what you're not responsible for and um and suddenly when you do get the opportunity to step back because responsibility for me the main breadwinner in the family um and so I kind of took it so seriously that I almost put myself on on a shelf completely and which was which you know was the craziest thing to do but yeah. it was all where my thinking was at the time so you know I started doing things like um just enjoying the time with my daughter when she does ballroom dancing I use it as a time of relaxation and I use it as a time to just enter into some fun of it all um she's trying to teach me the samba at the moment it's not going well <laughs> um <laughs> but but also I think I recently I started to uh, to look at fasting and an odd way of doing it somebody had mentioned about intermittent fasting and I could just feel it like sparked a little bit of something in me curiosity and I look now for those sparks of curiosity as a kind of a light in the pathway ahead for me personally. Yeah. And I'd found that sort of doing like a 5-2 diet or an intermittent fast was really helpful for me just to, it was, it was breaking the comfort eating because I'd found things like when, uh, you know, I wasn't a drinker, I didn't smoke, but I had just as many addictions to things like st staying at the computer till midnight, overworking, um, uh, 
you know, going for, for, for biscuits and food as an antidote to, to other things that I was dealing with. So it was it was looking at that. It was looking at how those things were playing out for me in light of, you know, you can't go. Um, you just can't even a tree, isn't it? It's like I just think of nature a lot. It's like we've got a massive tree outside the house and I just look at it going through the seasons and I'm like, it really can't grow and do anything more unless it's going to let something else go and have some rest time in between and then and then sort of it gets to grow and bud again and and who was I to try and operate outside the laws of nature really yeah so um, it's a very personal journey for me on self-care and I'm really feeling as if I don't have any expertise on self-care at all I'm just looking at uh, how it's played out for me and um and just looking at what's what's relevant now to you know at my age in life and sort of being menopausal and how that's changed everything and um yeah and 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 just almost making me part of it whereas before it was about trying to separate me out of it which was really the most unhealthy way of doing it mm, mm, yeah interesting i think um often when we talk about sort of self-care stuff we sort of pile into you know oh, I walk every day and I eat this and I whatever that um I, I think again going back to what I was saying about being in the moment I think just being sort of more aware of what we can do that is you know good and what we could or positive and or what we can do that's the opposite is is half the battle isn't it yeah it was just like shutting down the computer like it, it, you know I work, you know, we're at the moment building an office in the garden um, because I re I could just recognise that there's just too much temptation for me to just go back to old work habits of just losing myself in work rather than, um, you know, taking the time out or, mm. um, you know, um, you know, I think journaling has been a big help to me um, in just sort of identifying where those little changes can be made that that start to make a bigger difference and it doesn't have to be like I avoided a lot of that just because I thought I had to make massive changes and I'd always put it off because I just thought I don't have time to make massive changes um although I wanted the results of the massive change <laughs> yeah. so uh, so it was a case of just looking at it and just bringing it back to you know what's the what's the smallest thing here that's going to make the biggest difference to today mm -hmm. and it could be just like you know um I'm going, you know, I actually am going to shut the computer off and I'm going to go and just sit and watch a, a program with my husband. And that just, it was things like, it just identified where, for instance, I was just adrenaline fueled or I was just not present. Um, and, you know, believe you me, like your family and your life, it will kind of knock at the door and go, oh, no, you're not listening. Um, and, and people often find that they've either hit burnout or there's a book comes out by somebody because now they've they've seen the light and, and yeah. they've hit burnout and then and then they come out of the shadow and they hit burnout. But I think if we just monitor that, if it be, make it day tight, like little compartments of the day, you can start to sort of wax and roll. So I don't think there's any kind of balance, really. It's like you're always rebalancing, aren't you? Mm, mm, yeah. So you sound like you're right. sort of adjusting adjusting and, and learning on a regular basis you already talked about your vocal coach um you know who helps you have you got any other recommended sort of resources books podcasts anything that has helped you in this area yeah hugely um i tell you what has really helped in terms of mindset and looking into that area um there's a brilliant podcast by a lady called nicola bird and it's called a little peace of mind yeah and i totally recommend it for people it's there's lots of different topics but it's uh, particularly on the topics of anxiety um and uh, you know how human beings experience their world uh, particularly, I just read uh, the books by Michael Neal, uh, Inside yeah. Out Revolution, Space Within, and Creating the Impossible. Um, and I, I mean, I am a huge bookworm, and so is my daughter. Um, and actually, I tell you what we do as well is sometimes you find learning in the craziest of places. We, I love Audible, so I tend to sort of stick something on in the car. 
And I used to only kind of, you know, try and do serious business book learnings years ago. And now I put on things like Harry Potter and we put, you know, stories on and we drive up to Blackpool listening to Harry Potter or something. And then you hear a snippet of nugget and, and you know, it's like everything can be a teacher. I think my favourite quote at the moment is an Einstein quote and it says, um, you either look at every day as if it's a miracle or you look at no day. You're like, either everything's a miracle or nothing's a miracle. Right. Um, so, so this, this certainly for people, I would recommend uh, anything by Michael Neal or the podcasts of uh, Nicola Bird, um, because I think, you know, or just sometimes just doing, grabbing something that you would never think had that you would go towards something yeah. completely opposite and then looking at it with a bit of a fresh insight and seeing what comes out of it you know mm, yeah no definitely lovely and yeah I've known Nicola a long time I was on her mailing list many many years ago and oh. uh, if, if you've ever heard my famous Joe Dodd story it was Nicola who actually uh, prompted that story which uh, I won't bore you with now because we're running out of time but uh, uh, to, just the fact that she she kept all the anxiety I mean she was always you know, three million miles an hour of everything at everything she did, um, and you know, I would have said she was, she was um, possibly high maintenance or some other, you know, description like that. But she kept that anxiety stuff that she's been really honest about since so well hidden. Yeah. You know, the fact that she wouldn't travel and things like that. You know, the amount of stuff she did while she clearly was really struggling but didn't tell people. Oh, yeah. You would have never known. No. And I think that's what's, to me, that's so beautiful. It's like I do it with my singing students and all sorts. It's it's sharing the journey because if we just, we think sometimes that we've just got to show up in life and in business as if we've got, you know, our tie straight and our P's and Q's in, in place and that people only want to see us if we're a success. And that is absolutely untrue in all of my years of being a vocal coach. Uh, the biggest breakthroughs that have happened for my clients and myself have been through authenticity and mm. vulnerability and honesty um, mm. and I think that is that's what you know it seems to be the new buzzword at the moment but I don't think it ever really went away no no okay so last couple of questions in limited mm. time <laughs> what about if mm. things don't go right how do you deal with that oh if things don't go right I thought about that I thought oh, what do I do now um I step back, I think about, I thought, okay, it's, I had to think of it in terms of music here. Um, when something isn't going right in music, the, the, the easiest temptation is to go at it harder. And, um, but when I step back from it, it's like I had a phrase in singing whenever I couldn't do something, which was, there's something I'm not seeing here. Right. Um, and as soon as I would say that phrase to myself, I, it, would, it would kind of, I'd be stepping out the ring of fire, take the emotion out of it, um, and I would just either I'd go away and have a cup of tea or I would just, you know, I'd have to come back and I'd either have to try it differently. But it was about sort of zooming back out in order to see something clearer and zooming back in. Mm. If it's not going right, there's such a tendency to either go at it harder or, or play the blame game. And really, truthfully, there's just something we're not seeing in the moment. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it sort of goes back to your uh, sort of less is more. Um, sort of mantras throughout yeah okay lovely and what about a day when you end the day knowing that you've had the chance to live more and that's where I talk about that's getting to do more of the things that you really want to do and not the stuff that you feel you should do or you have to do what what does that day look like gosh um, I realize that I have lived more um, when I'm when I realize that I've that a client and I have just connected at a deeper level when we've when we've just connected to the energy behind life more when we've you know when I've stopped for a moment and I I just take a, a microcosm of a second to look at the daffodils that are just sitting in my dining room right now with the light on them or that you know I've that excitement with a new client um, you know and that sense of possibility or I've cleared my desk or even if I look at my messy kitchen and realize that the messy kitchen simply proves that we're still alive and kicking mm -hmm. um, it's it's for me a successful day it used to totally joke used to be so much about achievement it used to be so much about out there in order to prove that I was and when I realized that that was so much of an illusion that you're all you know that it was it it wasn't about doing it wasn't about doing less in order to to you know to to say that wasn't what you wanted it was about um 
maybe having it more concentrated, like a nice piece of dark chocolate instead of just, you know, uh, you know, a cheap holy piece strength. of yeah, <laughs> holy, <laughs> chocolate. Yeah, you know, it was about sort of maybe squeezing the juice more about what was important in the moment. And and I've actually done I've done more of what was great since I've started to go down that track than than ever before. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Thank you so much, Angela. Um, I just said Angela and then thought Thanks. her name, not Angela, but it is Angela, so now <laughs> I'm panicking. <laughs> it's because we were talking about Andrea at the beginning and it's confused me. So, so um, yes, thank you, Angela. It's been one of those um, podcasts that has been really quite deep um, and uh, to be to use a cliche, deep and meaningful. I mean, it has. it's just yeah. been a, a really different look at some of these questions, which I think has been really, really enjoyable. Thank you very much. Um, My pleasure. Tell people how can, they can find out more about you and how they can connect with you. Yeah. At the moment, while my website is all broken down, there is a, a contact form on there, so they can just go to www.angeladurant.com with a double R, or they can email me at angela at angeladurant.com. I'd love to hear from people. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you. All this information is available in the show notes on the website. If you use the link powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 58, you'll be able to find those easily. I've realised that I don't often thank you for listening to this podcast, so uh, I will say that today. Um, I really do appreciate you uh, listening in and listening in on a regular basis. And if you're a first-time listener, then please do think about subscribing. We have a new podcast out every week with some really interesting guests and some great resources that they share all around productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. And as you already know, it's all about using uh, your strategies and tips around those areas in order to live more. And that's do more of what you want to do. If you do enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate you going over to iTunes and leaving a review because that can be really helpful in helping other people to find it. And if you want to find out how I can help you, maybe you're feeling overwhelmed, maybe your email's out of control, maybe you uh, need a new way of working or how your working isn't working and you'd like somebody to have a sort of external look at it to try and think about how you can simplify it, uh, create some systems, create some automation and get things done, enable you to get things done with a lot more ease, then perhaps I might be the person to help you with that. If you go to my website, which is engagementandwellbeing.com, then there's a link that says work with me. And if you click on that, it'll show you some of the things that I do. Uh, But actually, the easiest thing is just to use the link at the top of that page to click in and find a spot to have a 30 minute call with me, uh, which is free, uh, really just to find out uh, where you have some of those uh, issues or questions and how I might be able to help you. But also I can't help but to give you some really useful tips and strategies immediately um, to to apply straight after the call uh, as well. So even if we don't end up working together on a more long term basis, then it's really worthwhile having a 30 minute call with me and I'll help you as much as I can in that time as well. So um, please do go over to engagementandwellbeing.com. As I say, if you click on work with me, then you can use the link there to book into my diary. Again, the link for this show with Angela Durant is powertolivemore.com forward slash 58. And we look forward to speaking to you next time. Use your power to live more.